Hey, everybody. Welcome to Shitty Book Reports, where the reports are shitty, but the books are not. I'm Trevor. I'm here with Mark. How are you feeling today, Mark? Uh, I feel like I'm still missing that hour of sleep from the Daylight Savings. Interesting. Interesting. How are you feeling? I feel like a nice, tall glass of iced tea. Nice. I recently accomplished one of my dreams of installing like uh, a full like pitcher uh, like permanent like pitcher with like a spigot and everything of iced tea in my refrigerator and it's a simple things you know yeah yeah <laughs> i pretty much if i'm ever at a restaurant that has homemade iced tea that's the number one like drink and i'm like why isn't this just in my fridge all the time yeah on tap i can make this happen nice um they signed some thing they're trying to get rid of daylight savings yeah i i know i'm i'm down for it i mean it's since like you're 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 mad one time of the year and happy the other time just it cancels out but just i guess it cancels out but i i wonder if we're gonna go through like a five-year adjustment period where we're gonna be like isn't it supposed to be that the days are longer right now like what the hell (laughs) there's there's too much weird time stuff like uh isn't there a place in Newfoundland or up that area where they're like a half an hour different or something? There's places where it doesn't, where they don't do it. Yeah, Arizona. That, yeah, somewhere Arizona. in Arizona or New Mexico, or whatever. Yeah, weird. That's weird in itself. Yeah. Yeah, they're just outcasts. make it standard. It seems like something almost like you know, like some person smarter than us could explain to us why it's like a huge like business risk or something. <laughs> Like we don't we don't do business in Albuquerque because they don't do blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean it anyway. happens on the weekend though, so I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so I brought you an, a, like a random topic. We we a lot of the times we don't we get, try to come up with a game or maybe something that one person doesn't know um, about our introductory activities, so it can be kind of a surprise. But this time it wasn't a surprise because it's like an open conversation about a topic that i gave to you what was that topic uh quitting quitting a book abandoning ship halfway through or i think you said halfway but halfway but it could be any at any point any serious section other than like three pages i mean like come on okay yeah yeah yeah. well i mean right off the bat i would say i tend to stop if i do give up it's much sooner than halfway it's probably closer to a quarter yeah Yep. Or like at pretty much as much as you could get through in one sitting. Like I give it the one sitting test. Like if I don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't turn around for me in, in uh, that half hour, hour, whatever I'm going to give it the first time through. Right. And we've also start. we've also mentioned before how this can be probably one of the biggest insults to an author, like getting them in your sites and then kind of just being like, nah, fuck this. Yeah. Like, for instance, my most epic and maybe like off the top of your head, what is your what are your most epic like ending like like dropping a book? Ones that you can remember, if oh uh, man, just giving up straight through. It would probably be probably something like Moby Dick or whatever, which you you finished recently. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, I, mean, I actually can my own you. like. I actually confess to you that I didn't finish it 100%. Oh, I went, yeah. I, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. I didn't finish it when we reviewed it, but I did finish it. Eventually, yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So that that's the one that springs to mind, but that wasn't for the same reason, though. I mean, there's probably a pretty many different one. reasons that one. Uh, I think I Moby probably... Dick. I think Moby Dick is a common one for people to drop because it, once it gets like into the being a textbook about whaling, you're sort of yeah, like, <laughs> just not um, the right space for that when I uh, when I went for it. My most epic one, I think we've also said, I think we've probably said it on the pod before, but um, Atlas Shrugged. And I actually left like 75% of the way through. Yeah. I was that's, just like, that's rare. I'll never do. Well, Atlas Shrugged is a large book. Yeah. So 75% of the way through means that you've read like 400 pages and still have like 200 or something. <laughs> or you've yeah, read 350 and yeah. Yeah, and it's just like it starts becoming this book about like a right wing utopia, and you're just sort of like, uh, get it? Yeah, whatever. Um, so Atlas shrugged, and then one of the reasons why I actually I came up with this idea as the intro that was going to be my um, my whole like discussion on the podcast because I I think that I'm leaving. Um, London Fields by Martin Amos. Done with it? Okay. Yeah, I, I had enthusiastically reviewed it and was like kind of into the like sort of more focused. Yeah, the more focused sort of Pynchon-esque uh, hysterical realism kind of like aspect of it. But then something miraculous happened. And that is... I'll, I I will just say that before because I don't want to go straight into my book review, but something miraculous happened. Um, but then it sprung even the idea even more of talking about stopping uh, reading books. And when you say you give like the one the one seating test, that's kind of surprising to me because to me it has to happen over like a gradual period of time. I rally for the book in my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I do. I tend to uh, drop it sooner. I don't maybe. know. It just I haven't got a long list of ones that I, maybe I'm just more never of, meant for. Maybe I'm more of an enabler. <laughs> Wait, you said you had a long list. So what are other? I'm other just thinking of them. Like uh, I've read, a, tried to. There's a couple I've tried to read several times. Like mm-hmm. Pale Fire by uh, Nabokov. Nabokov. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you read Lolita? No. That's good. So I haven't gotten through any any of his. And disturbing. Uh some some um against the day. Yeah. Just, against... another, another, another one for like the intimidation factor reason where I'm like, I'm not gonna get through this twelve hundred page book right now. Yeah, and against the day <laughs> is one of the most famous pension books that's sort of people are like really like do we need this kind of thing i yeah. think i even read i think i read like 200 pages of against the day i think and uh it's definitely one of the ones where it's like he's totally into his phase of being like all over the place yeah yeah stick, sticking to that same theme like uh pale, the pale king mm-hmm. david foster wallace i never was able to finish that one you didn't finish it that's interesting because no. we were one of the reasons why we grew to love reading together was infinite jest yeah, I mean it's it's a whole different thing. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. Also, don't you like that book that is was, pu- published posthumously? And yeah, I'm it's kind of like pieced together. Yeah, it doesn't read that way, but I just I don't know another one where I was just like, 
I got homework to do, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's it's the feeling. That's the feeling that comes over me with it. I wanted to bring to, you know, to talk about this more in depth because we talked about it, you know, tangentially, but to actually put the spotlight on this, because when I say something miraculous happens, that reference that references the book that I am now covering for the podcast. But what's interesting is that yeah, like I said, I was rallying for London Fields. And I think that over time, like you said, I've got stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. And I think that I relearned with the book that I'm covering this time is that a good book takes over the things that you have to do. Yeah, whereas you make time, you make time for yeah, it. Yeah. Whereas London Fields was not taking over. It was like it was it's almost like a reminder that even people like us who are trying to like attempting to be prolific readers can still view reading as like a chore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, there were some obvious breaking points for me in London fields. Like I was telling you, there's like this character that's like a, you know, like from infinite Jest, prettiest girl of all time. She's sort of like a pea goat sort of character, but you know, like scene after scene, I told you like the book is like sort of horny and then like scene after scene with her i was like am i going to read like 400 pages of you just being like horny over this like woman that you made up in your mind like it started to kind of like fall apart in a way sure and then i kept kind of like fighting with myself being like you're not some sexual conservative you can you know you can like take like this like thing and then eventually i was sort of like I don't know. I, I basically just I've been reminded by a completely different book that I will cover up this in this episode of the podcast. OK, you, you pivoted. I did. That's what I I'm was going to say, like, man, you're not really talking up your uh, review right now. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm I I'm shitting on up. London Fields and I'm That's bringing cool. something new to the table, a book that I actually finished like since the last time we talked. Oh, OK, cool. So it's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, have you ever had that feeling of you're in a book and then you switch to the next one? And you're like, oh, reading's not a chore. It's incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of a reminder. So what are some of the books that you that come to mind that think when I say like you whip through a book like it was a page turner? What comes to mind? Uh, uh, probably One Flew something like that one flew over the cuckoo's nest yeah i think I, I think that was one that i think that might have been a pivot book i mean most of mine are mm -hmm. because when i go to read something new it i <laughs> well i mean i think this this is probably truer in the earlier stages of the this show but i would like try out like i would pick like five books and just mm -hmm. try out try them out pretty much and then stick with one right so i guess that counts as like ditching one or ditching four <laughs> but <laughs> That was uh, one from my you know college. Well, this is this is different though too, because now at this point, the way that we do the podcast now, I actually talked about London Fields on the podcast and praised it, <laughs> and now it's yeah, like you, a complete one eighty. Yeah, you said it was your favorite book. I did not say that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, that there was there was like kind of a monkey on my back of like, oh, I should be reading that, and then something else came in the mail to me do you do this uh I'll, i guess i'll kind of like get in 
to my book. One book that I think flew through me like very like instantly is the book a book that we often talk about, which is Confederacy of Dunces. Mm-hmm. that's just like a book that like burns away it's even <laughs> i think that in your memory like go on like wikipedia right now or whatever and let look up the page count of dunces because i bet you you think it's less than it is it's actually would, kind of a long book I'll not long at least 400 right yeah let's look it up confederacy i was gonna say you you, you got a book in the mail is that what you said yeah Oh, it's 405. Perfect. Uh, yeah. But to, it, <laughs> that's something that I refuse to give up on. If I'm if I'm about to order something through mm-hmm. the mail, mm-hmm. you know, because getting mail is is cool. And it's like uh, one of those simple pleasures kind of things. And that that's that's a book I won't give up on. I'll read through the through that if I like spent extra money on it or whatever to get it in the mail. Yeah. Oh, I won't. I mean, I'll, it's no? just to me, it's just the same. Okay. Well, one thing that I do do, um, which, which I can also talk about, which like, I'm definitely a victim of like, so ordering things via Amazon, right? Like basic, like household things like, oh, we're going to order like a stupid like thing to like hold the like keys or like, you know, just stuff like yeah, yeah. dumb stuff like cleaning spray or something like that that we're not that we can't get to the store for i am like a victim of not being able to like check out a boring amazon cart so like you gotta have something to look forward to yeah so if it's yeah. like a bunch of stuff like oh a, a very specific type of battery that we need and then you know like a, a refill of like tide pods or something and then i'm like no there's gotta be something and the book that i'm covering this week is one of those so it came to me and then i was like fuck this london field shit and then i was (laughs) and then i read this and i consumed it in two days nice and that's just as fast as it took to get to you yeah the wikipedia of the wikipedia of confederacy of dunces has a really cool picture of a hot dog cart so you should check you should check Uh, old school vintage one yeah Uh, so (laughs) When you when you told me this topic, I did a little uh, did a little research, and okay. there was actually a poll on Goodreads that is uh, the the question was, "What do you do when you're halfway through a book and couldn't care less about finishing it?" Hmm. What would you say is the top answer? It's like a multiple choice, or anyone can say anything. Yeah, there, there were some write-ins. <laughs> There's like twelve write-ins. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, but what do you think is the most popular answer like uh the family family feud style like okay so say pop, the question pop. one more time what do you do when you're halfway through a book and couldn't care less about finishing it <sighs> top five answers on the board surveyed uh, 100 people <laughs> survey says uh donate it give it away uh i don't know if that was even on there (laughs) um yeah no one no one on goodreads is donating their books or getting rid of them wow they're hoarding them uh (laughs) number one answer was persevere actually finish the book rate it low and mark it red on goodreads 
Wow. I mean, first of all, I'm going to say that that number one answer is an oxymoron because they literally said you are not going to finish it and you've given up on it. <laughs> so for the number one no, answer to be when you couldn't care less about finishing it, you're just uh... dreading, dreading the end. Well, I don't go down with the ship anymore. And this book that I'm covering this week is definitely a reminder of that. Mm -hmm. But that that's an interesting wrinkle, though, because the way that Goodreads works, like you mark it as red, you know, so they're mm -hmm. like, I got to get to the end so I can mark it as red. Right. Do you believe that you have to get to the back cover? Like, let's say you're at a party. Can you say, oh, I've read that if you got to like page 600 out of 800 or something? No, no, no. Can't say that. Nope. You got you got to mention that you didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah, I even know people because, sure. you know, I'm I, you know, with like I, I know a lot of people who watch a lot of films like being in like the like film community. And I even know people who like I know someone who's like I it, it doesn't count if I watched a movie in like several parts. Sure. You have to, you have to watch it in one sitting or it's like, no, nah, I haven't really watched it. Yeah. So no, yeah, you can't be like, I read 600 out of 800. I claim, you know, I claim it. What happens if, what happens if in the last 25%, it goes like absolutely bonkers. What about, what about the last 10 pages of it by Stephen King, where all the children <laughs> have sex with each other? Yeah. <laughs> like, like you, you're going to be at a party talking about how you love it is your favorite book. And then you're going to be like, what about the child orgy at the end? And you'll be yeah, like, what about what? the end? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so that was 23.6% said Persevere. Okay. Close number two was 22.1% uh, says give up on the book, add it to the gave up section of Goodreads. So you yeah, can't even review it because you get, give it up. You can't, they don't allow you to review it if you gave it up? Uh, I, I, no, I mean, I think you can. There's like a specific gave up section. So then right. third place is give up. Don't even add it to your books, like to your so, yeah, pro doesn't, profile or whatever. Doesn't count. I'm okay. If people are really into Goodreads and like they, you know, they hold on to that as like a social media profile that I'm fine with them putting it in the gave up section. That's like, yeah. that's like valuable knowledge. I wish we could know that about yeah, that's, our Garfunkel's library. Yeah, that's kind of a review in itself, pretty much. I bet you some stuff in Arts Garfunkel's online list is a 600 out of 800. Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm calling uh, out on that. <laughs> fourth place with 9% uh, was quickly skim through the rest and add it to your red. So oh, I, I can't skim. <laughs> no way. No fucking way. Skimming is such a weird concept to me. Like the idea that like, okay, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, this happened. Oh, okay. Like I can't, I have no idea how people do that. And this question was specifically about halfway through. So skimming through the entire second half. Yeah. Just what? give up on it. At that point, yeah. You know? And I don't know. Skimming, it just seems so like, it, it seems like such a quagmire too. Cause it's like, you're going to skim, right? And then you're skimming, skimming, skimming. Oh, the clown ate one of the kids. And it's like, well, oh, what, how did that happen? So I'm going to go back. And it's like, now you're just reading out of order. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, next one is put it on hold and mark it as currently reading. So just let it sit on the shelf for a little bit. Yeah, but what's the expiration in your mind? Like how, like how? Yeah, what's you're just going to forget. Yeah, you'll, you'll yeah. forget a lot. Like for instance, 
like I love Mishima. I love Mishima so much, but I haven't read all four his famous like last four books that he wrote, like The Sea of Tranquility or whatever. And I've read two of them. And now I feel like if I read the third one, I might have to like reread one and two. Like I, I don't like it's too crazy. I mean, at least like some cliff notes or something. Yeah, you're out of it. Yeah. Next one, uh, kind of the next two are the same. Uh, give it up for now and come back to it later. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the same as the one before. That's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Next one, we're down to like 4%. Uh, if I'm really curious what might happen, I'll continue reading it. I mean, that's kind of ignoring the prompt. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one, 3.8%. Put it on my red shelf and rate it low. Which I think is where most of our like one star reviews come from. People are like, didn't finish, hated definitely, it. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Gave that, up on page like 50. <laughs> that 3.1% is a 99% of the one star reviews. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one was abandon it, kind of similar. Next one is don't finish, then I mark it as DNF. What 2%. does DNF mean? Did not, Did finish? not finish. Okay, because I saw that. I saw that in another review and I was like, what the hell? And now, now we're just getting to variations of the same thing. 2% says skim it, but also add it to gave up. 2% says depends on the book, which again, like, I guess. I, that's based on this survey, accurate. based on this survey, this Goodreads is becoming a very, not very trustworthy place. <laughs> <laughs> Bad reads, dude. Uh, depends on the book, 2%. And I mean, that's sure, like, there could be a lot of factors here. Someone someone that you care about gave it to you or like you paid a lot of money for it or whatever, something like that. You were, you were so hyped on it and it's been disappointing. Mm-hmm. Well, first I of guess. all, never pay too much money for a book. That's yeah, that's a number one rule. Uh, 1.8%. If it's a classic, I try hard to keep going, but otherwise I quit on it as life is too short to read boring books. Yeah. Uh, next one, skim through it and or read the ending. What do you think about skipping right to the last 10 pages? <laughs> like that's that's like the classic, like that's the same thing that I said, the quagmire of like you're just gonna be like, what the fuck? How did that happen? And then go halfway to the like what you didn't read and then try to figure that out. It's like yeah, yeah there'll be new people that you haven't heard of yet. Uh, but I mean that lends itself to like that's how you would do a shitty book report if you're like a little kid. Oh, definitely. You're like, <laughs> I really liked the beginning and I really liked the ending. The last sentence was great. Yeah, where this easy. happened. That was easy to find. Yeah. Uh, next one. Now we're getting to like ten people said that they would skim through and read the ending. Six people, so less than one percent, says I typically put on hold and mark it as currently reading. Well, persevering to finish in due time must admit there are a few books I've enjoyed so far marked in the same category. It's getting too granular. Way too granular. All right. (laughs) Five people said, skim through the remaining parts, maybe read the last few pages, add to my abandoned halfway shelf. So they're like subsets of shelves now. Wow. (laughs) Four people said, if I'm at least halfway through, then I'll persevere, mark it as read, and review it like any other book. No, it's too much effort. <laughs> uh, oh, two people said skim to at least 50% before I say add it to my red section. <laughs> Whoa. So you're skimming 
only to the halfway point and then saying, yeah, I read that. That's bullshit. <laughs> That's like the biggest bullshit of all. <laughs> uh, so that was two people said that. So two, those two of you should be ashamed. Uh, and then another two people at the very bottom put it on my hiatus shelf and mark it to read. It's way too easy to lie about finishing a book. So I don't mark it red unless I really read the whole thing with attention. Mm. And that's a uh, very level-headed take right there. Yes. Agree. Agree with those two. Yeah. The two before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who raised Skim. you. Skim. Skimming. Skim to the 50%, then talk to talk to people about it at a party. Like, I know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about. What I, the fuck? It's like uh, that high high intensity interval training where like you you walk for 50 seconds and then sprint for 10 <laughs> like i read three pages and then i skim like 12 in 10 seconds and yes. then i read three pages speed readers all right yeah. so yeah so leaving books leaving books in the middle leaving books 25 percent of the way through claiming that you read them all these things came to mind as i was avoiding reading london fields and um, then I was reinvigorated for reading and reading in general, where I did a three day, I think it was three days sprint through the book that I'm holding in my hand that is Matrix by Lauren Groff. You heard of this book? Not at all. Is this okay. new? Well, what's interesting, yes, is that it came out in 2021. So, wait, didn't no wait. I am pretty sure that I introduced this on an introduction where I was like, these are the new books. So this is where I found it because I had really? no idea. I had no idea where I had heard of it. That's where it came from. I think like four months ago or something, I was like, these are the books coming out in 2022, uh, according to this article or something. Damn. Okay. I'm well, pretty sure I'll find it. I'll look right now while you are. Uh, Tell yeah, me about it. Look right I'll now, because I had no idea. Actually, Dario was asking me, like, where did this come from? And I'm like, Psh, I just added it to my Amazon cart. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said on the episode, I'm gonna add this to my Amazon wish list. <laughs> well, here we are a few yeah. months later. And what's funny about that is that if we had the conversation, it's like my mind is like deteriorating or something because I was I got this book and I like went in completely blind and I'm really glad that I did go in completely blind. So even if I yeah. said that sounds cool, it's like I didn't even realize. Um, so yeah, Matrix by Lauren Groff came out in 2021. Um, this book is awesome. Like it's just like I don't even know how to describe it. First of all, saying you know like reinvigorating like past you know, like a, like a chore of a book that I didn't really, I was like into, but didn't really want to finish. And then relearning through this book that like, oh, you set aside time. Like you read for a solid hour before going to bed. Like you read when you get up, like all these things happen so that it burned the 257 pages that I now hold in my hand. And, um, it's so good. Found and, it. Found it. Yeah. Yeah. What did you say? Last August, when I was covering, uh, what's it called? Crying in H Mart. Yep. I talked about all the new books coming out. Okay. And I had Matrix by Lauren Groff, September 7th, 2021, author of the 2015 novel Fates and Furies. Uh -huh. 
This novel takes a sharp left turn away from the novelist's usual focus on contemporary Americans. Instead, it heads to the 12th century to follow Marie de France, a former lady-in-waiting to Eleanor of Aquitaine, whom the French court sends to England to run an impoverished abbey. This author has a knack for dissecting the inner workings of cloistered communities, so it'll be fascinating to see what they make of the hive-like energy of an all-female community. Right. Okay. So yeah, exactly. You no, just I did I'm responsible for this. Yes, okay. <laughs> it's it's your shitty book report. Um no, but that's a good intro to I mean, I'm I'm kind of surprised that I heard that summary of it and then added it to my Amazon cart, like, oh, I want to read about these nuns. Because so I get the book, right? I get Matrix and I'm looking at it and I'm like, I have no idea what this is gonna be about. And then in the first like sentence, it's like the year is um let me actually get to that first sentence it's like the year is 1158 the world bears witness to the wariness of a late lent you know stuff like that and mm -hmm. i'm like whoa like i just like you know went in kind of blind even though i didn't go in blind i'm just losing my mind and my memory but um yeah this book is awesome so basically what it is exactly what you just described there's this, the main character is named Marie and the, and it's one of those books that's heavily like the main character is like who you're like with mentally and all like stuff like that. Um, there's not too much like shifting of perspective and everything like that. It's just, there's this woman named Marie, Marie de France. She, like when I was reading the book, I mean, honestly, this might even be a cure. I don't know how I would like go about doing this in everyday life, but this might be one of my cures to historical fiction. Because technically this is historical fiction, but it's historical fiction to the point where it's about a woman who lived in the 12th century. So it's so fucking long ago that even if you Wikipedia Marie de France, it's like no one knows about her, just her writings. Like no one even like knows anything like about her <laughs> life or anything. So what what Lauren Groff does is she basically writes this book that is like extreme sort of like um speculation on what it would be like to be like a woman who she gets thrown like she's basically within like the court of the queen queen eleanor and like living a life better than most people at that time you know like a, a, like a chamber in the castle and like blah blah and whatever and basically eleanor at some point is like and it shows there's a lot of discussion in the book that kind of like hammers into your brain how different uh life is what like supposedly was back then but also you know like the differences in like the life of a woman so marie is like this woman who has like a nordic bloodline like goes back to like you know like she's like more nordic than she the people in france and england at the time so she's basically like a head and a half or like two heads taller than like all other women. Like she's, huge. she's like <laughs> yeah. huge. Right. And, and actually like an imposing figure, like this woman who's like huge and literally the like logic of, okay, you're like born of some sort of like quasi noble lineage or whatever. Um, but you're in the court of the queen and the queen is basically like, you're too huge and ugly to ever be married off. So I'm going to send you off to like, an, to like run an abbey because like, that's the only thing that you're good for. 
And it's like, that is something that can be like a major determination in your life in like, in like the woman, like even a woman who is of good circumstances, you know, back then is like, you're kind of like a weirdo. So what you're going to do is you're basically going to be assigned to be a nun. And at that point, a nun, like an Abbey has like charge over, you know, like a certain plot of land. And what happens in the first part of the book, the part, there's three parts of the book, the third part being the largest and like most major. But the first part of the book is kind of her being sent to this middle of nowhere place where it's like, it's like super impoverished. Like the nuns are like dying of the plague and like they don't have like any like food and they're like, yeah, poverty is like the bee's knees because of faith, right? You know, like all these different things. And they kind of just like carry on these traditions, like nobly facing death. And the way that Marie sees the world is she's basically like, no, that's bullshit. Like we're going to like, she basically, as she like slowly accepts the idea that this is like her lot in life and there's not much that she can change about it. She's like, no, I'm going to be like this massive sort of like egoistic force, massive, both in stature, like, cause she's bigger than everyone and like in emotion and like ambition of being like no this is going to be like a place where we like kick ass so instead of like suffering in poverty and stuff like that she really like digs into like the account books of the abbey and she's like well these people haven't been paying their rent and those people haven't been paying their rent and like i'm about to be like a badass like she gets on like her horse and it's like when she rides around the town and stuff they're like who the hell is this like woman who's like three times taller than other women and is on like this huge horse being like, pay your rent or I'll fuck you up basically. (laughs) So she becomes almost like a, she's almost like a, like a soprano, like a Tony Soprano type figure of like, (laughs) of like an Abby where she's like, no, like we don't do things like that anymore. Like I'm Marie, like what the fuck is up? So mixed in with all, I mean, I'm, I'm not doing justice to how subtle the book is and how it's like, she has to like accept her lot in life. And then there's also a lot of like intensely sort of like, like feminist female, like perspective, like emotions. Like it's one of those books where like could never be written by a man, like in a way, like kind of like the, like the way that, um, you know, the idea of this like femininity and like, you're going to be here like with your sisters and like all these things. But what's interesting is that Groff as the author, it it doesn't really, she doesn't really take for granted like, oh, this is going to be some book that's about like a feminist paradise or anything like that. It's sort of like Marie has her own like, like supercharged ego that is like in some ways, like kind of bullshit. Like she has like, she eventually develops like the Abbey, like economically, and she kind of starts to become more of like a land baron than she is like the abbess of like this cloister of nuns. So with like what comes with success also comes with like this headiness of like, I'm the most badass. And then she kind of makes like decisions that makes the other nuns sort of like suffer. And like, in some ways she's very like, like she's, the Abbey represents like her ego of like, I'm going to build a labyrinth around the Abbey. So no one can even fucking find us. Cause we're so like <laughs> awesome and like whatever. And you're like, 
and then she and then of course like inevitably she's like I have visions like I'm like, you know, I have visions that like the mother, like the Virgin Mary, the mother of God like gives to me about like how we're going to create like a river like around the thing and like, you know, whatever. And all the other nuns are like suffering like, oh, my God, like she makes them do this work where it's literally like build a forest here. And they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like they're kind of like at their wits end with her sometimes, but she's seen as this like almost holy figure. There's also like a really good character about 75% of the way through this. It, it ends up feeling like a short book. It's not super long. There's like a character 75% of the way through who's like an extremely promising young novice, like nun who a lot of people in the in like the surrounding town and in their community kind of feel she has like an extra bit of holiness and you get like the other characters in the book don't get this insight this inner sight into marie's mind but you do and you know she has like this moment where she's like oh this young girl is so holier than thou that i'm gonna elevate her before her time like I'm going to give her like more responsibility than she should like deserves. And she's like, you're so holy and amazing. You should go manage the leper colony. Like, because that's so holy and you're so amazing. Right. And the, and the young girl's like, Oh, maybe that's too much responsibility. Like, but Oh my God, I'm so honored. But really it's like, no one wants to go take care of the lepers. Like that's like fucked. And she like drives her out of the community. She ends up running away. And she knows like how to like mechanize these people in a very manipulative way. Um, but well, yeah, what an imposing tall. Yeah, yeah, well. <laughs> and it's sort of like a cool character, right? Like like super nun, kind of. Yeah, and she has her own like ideas about like you know, and there's like certain parts of the book where it's like she has these revelations of like you know, I've been, and it's a really cool book of how like it develops in time. Like when she first gets to the Abbey, she's only 17. People have like resigned her to that. Like you're an ugly cow, like fate by the time she's 17. And then the book goes all the way through to like when she's in her seventies. So when she's already been there for like 20 years, she's like admitting to herself in her mind, you know, like prayer was always to me, like a means to an end. Like I did, like, I haven't really like discovered like the the true goodness of it until you know another thing happens and there's a lot of like really good like sharp turns and moments like in terms of uh you know how women relate to each other and how like your own ego can get in the way not just of like women relating to each other but like humans relating to each other there's also like a big like a giant undercurrent of um lesbianism like within like the nun community because it's like mm -hmm. you know sexuality is like this unstoppable human force and you're basically locking yourself away with your fellow sisters for decades at a time so they you know they kind of like fool around a little bit and stuff like that marie herself as well um so there's that going on and there's just a lot of like what's interesting about reading a book like this especially from someone who's writing it he, like here and now in 2021 stuff is that it really it's one of those things that like strips away lots of um like negative possibilities in your mind about like oh what about like you know when you read a book now and you're like well why don't why don't they just look each other up on their iPhones you know and there's something that you kind of struggle with like the logistics of like everything when you're reading something modern whereas this is like forget about all that shit it's 1158 
like there's a horse, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's an Abby, you know, like they're going to write to each other and they'll figure it out a year from now like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So it's kind of cool, like the jumps in time and lots of descriptions of nature, learning a little bit. I'm sure that she did and in her acknowledgments, she acknowledged, you know, like she did like a lot of research. I think she even stayed like in an abbey with like nuns in Connecticut and stuff. And she um, references another book um, by another woman that is like all about nuns. So it's like, I could feel even reading before looking anything up. It's like, this is like the modern era. So like, obviously this author like did her research. So there's probably like a lot of stuff about the social structure of, you know, how they conduct things that rings true that I don't really have to like mistrust that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was like so addicting, so addicting. And, the, and that was the thing. Like, that's why I wanted to talk about leaving books in the middle and, and giving up and stuff like that, because I had praise for, Martin Amos in London Fields and I was interested but this was like a true fire of like I'm going to read this for like 2 hours, 3 hours. You made you made the right choice then. Yeah, like at a time where it was just like yeah. this is so addicting and there was like lots of I even have considered because I read it so fast cuz I I wanted to come to the, I usually like to come to the podcast right with things underlined like wow like that was like a good like one liner like we discussed how authors have like like really heavy hitting authors find some way to put it into one sentence. And there's a few of those in here, but I was reading too fast to like I didn't even mark it up. So like honestly, I, I've even thought about reading it twice. Yeah. <laughs> because it's really fucking good. Like it was really good. Um, so yeah, on every level, I was just like, holy shit, like reinvigor. And even after finishing this book, like before tonight's podcast. I went and filled up my Amazon card again and, and got even more books as I was like, no, it doesn't have to be a chore. It could be fucking crazy. Good. <laughs> Wait, uh, let's, let's see. Cause I have that other list of books I talked about. Was it, uh, bewilderment by Richard powers? What, what are you asking? The, the book that you added to your to your list. Oh, the was book it, that I like, I just bought a bunch. Was of it Clara and the Sun by Kazu Ishiguro? No, no, it's like other shit. I know Damn. how I found out these other books. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, yeah, I know how I found out these incoming books. And actually, one of the incoming books that I bought because I want it on the shelf and I read a little bit online, but I wanted to read more. So I said I went into this blind, completely blind. I honestly even didn't know if Marie was like some sort of like semi-historical figure or if she had like basically done her research and then like made a bunch of stuff up. So I didn't even know that. But now online, I've read that one of the only things that is known about Marie de France is that she wrote and like kind of established a style called the lay, L-A-I, sometimes L-A-Y, which is like a form of like short story. And that's one of the only things that is actually solid about her life. Like this woman who was a nun left behind these writings. And what started off my new Amazon cart was like, I'm fucking buying it. I'm buying the penguin, the penguin (laughs) classic of Marie de France. Like that is what I want to like check out. Cause like Lauren Groff made her so like larger than life, literally. So yeah, I'm like, I was so fucking into it. I'm like into nuns. (laughs) <laughs> you're all the way into now. I'm all the way in. You brought me all the way in. <laughs> so that's my raving kind of review for this week. You know, 
you can love reading again if you're stalled on something just fuck it and read something amazing that's cool yeah i hope i get that sometime soon it's yeah been it a little really bit since i've been blown away yeah i was blown away it's fucking blown away um so my one star review i feel like i've just talked about nuns for too long my one star review is by maggie on goodreads and uh oh you can read what shelves they have it says in their review so in her shelf it was 2021 and what does this mean dpi what the fuck does that mean maggie anyway uh, Maggie says, are you interested in bland descriptions of an abbey where the nuns toil and occasionally have sex? If so, this is the book for you. There's a strong undercurrent of female power and its struggles here, but the story isn't interesting at all, so I'm not sure why you would care. Well, there you go. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on, Maggie. Oh, well. That's it. Matrix. Lauren yeah. Groff. Blew my mind. Why is it called Matrix? Well, that's another thing too, right? I was like, you know, I was like, I pick up this book not knowing that you had planted the seed in my mind months ago, and I was like, Matrix, it's gonna like, it's gonna like open on New York City. People are plugged into fucking like shit. But no, the word Matrix comes from like, there's all these different things within a nunnery. Like the the woman who's in the infirmary is called the infirm the infirmatrix. And like another woman who's like works in the cellar with the wine is called like the cellatrix. Mm -hmm. So matrix, I think the actual word means like matron of some kind or like that's what Marie is. Mm -hmm. um, it can, I think it can mean like many different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're just conditioned. Yeah, of course. Matrix sci-fi. That's, that's what I'm Googling. Matrix nun. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it does mean something like within like the whole like Matrix mother kind of shit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, totally, totally into it. And also that other book that she wrote that's really famous called Fates and Furies is supposed to be really good too. And now I kind of like trust it. I'm like, maybe I should check that out. Very good. Okay. She's very yeah, good. I mean, that's, that's started. Cool. Very good at subtle emotions between people and kind of, but not saying too much, saying just enough. That's been your thing lately. It seems these subtle like emotions. dramas. Yeah. I guess so. It's cool. I admire your focus. This Sometimes is an easy book to focus on, dude. I'm telling that's, you. That's cool. I also got a brand. It was brand. I never buy a book brand new, but I got it brand new because it's so new that it, like the used price doesn't matter. And yeah, that, yeah. and that was like uh, it's like a really good smell, a brand new. <laughs> it, it is bad. All right, smell. You gotta go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this week I finished Blindness. Oh, nice. Jose Saramago. Oh my god, where... that book sounded so crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very divisive book, but I'll get, I'll get to that. So this is the book just to, to revisit where out of nowhere in, you know, some city we don't know in some year we don't know either. Just people just start going completely blind mm -hmm. and uh, it's a becomes a it's a contagion where people are spreading it to others. They don't know how no known cause or cure or anything. And so the government tries to kind of nip things in the bud by isolating the blind and the focus on the book becomes the initial people who are locked up in like an old uh, hospital asylum kind of place. 
So we got the uh, the doctor, the doctor uh, who's like not patient zero, mm-hmm. but his but, uh, but his wife is pretending that she can't see, but she can't. Yeah, she's the only immune person as far as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on all the other characters, like the the boy with the squint, the first blind man, the man, the blind accountant, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of an a uh, it's like an adult Lord of the Flies. Right. slash like a Stanford prison experiment scenario. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, which is where, I, you know, that's where I left things off last episode. So didn't really know what was going to happen, but uh, things uh, things really turned to shit. <laughs> and <laughs> I use the word shit because there's a lot of like, excrement in this, in this, fil- in this Ooh, it's film. Scatological. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't really know what's going on outside, but based on the interaction of the the blind people inside with the outside like the guards and everything you can begin to tell that things are not are you know falling apart outside yeah yeah they're not there's you know not being given proper food and shipments are falling behind and things devolve into like a inhumane bartering system where people mm-hmm. are being traded for food and like the soldiers eventually are becoming infected one after another, uh, one after another, and kind of they're refusing to do their duty, or they're be- becoming uh, mm-hmm. apathetic about it. And on top of that, you know, the military is refusing to deliver any medicine or anything non-essential. So these people are mostly stranded. Uh, so some really dark moments in this middle part, and everyone is, you know, living in this uh, communal space, but you know it's it order is kind of taken away uh but you know eventually it kind of comes to a head and and those inside they are able to escape when the uh asylum burns down but then they they're only to find out that they've been basically abandoned there and everyone on the outside is infected and Mm. has been infected is wandering the streets so uh but yeah the doctor's wife can still see Right. So we so we've known that the whole time through. And she hasn't she, to, and she hasn't told like anyone. Yeah, yeah. And and she becomes basically our only witness of uh like the gang mentality that's taken everything over. And uh and then, you know, not to like go plot point to plot point, but I'll just give away the spoiler here, but boom, like as quickly as it came, people just start recovering their sight out of nowhere. Oh, you know, wow. okay. it's like a temporary Mm-hmm. thing but you know the the world has already changed right and so even just as a thought experiment i think it's pretty accurate on how things would go down yeah if, i mean uh, now we have firsthand experience like oh like when like the waves of covid like lessen it's like hey we're back and then it's like no yeah. never mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i mean yeah it if it kind of if it happened to everyone just like that i think civilization crumbles down to nothing i mean covid is its own thing uh but you know losing it's It's kind of funny how covid makes you lose your sense of smell and taste and And we're talking about here uh the other senses the other sense but uh you know at that point if it happened to everyone all at once like this we would just be rummaging for food and water eventually like i feel like people would be camped out in their homes for a long time you know be able to manage but uh you know once the food runs out and stuff there's no more social status there's no more anything it's kind of becomes chaos but right 
just outside of the plot though this book was it's a hard read because it's so visceral and and truly very strange and there's a lot of shock value within mm. it but i don't it, it doesn't like read that way where it's like uh thrown in to be shock value it's kind of like just it's a hard part of the whole tapestry of uh like the strangeness of the book and everything mm. um but also at the same time, I say it's a difficult read also because uh, your boy Cormac McCarthy, like that's sort of that's the style that I talked about that oh, right. Sarmago shares. Where which, he, which by the way, Lauren Groff in Matrix, same fucking thing. No, no really? direct, no direct dialogue quotes. Only uh -huh. just like, and some stuff you kind of have to like feel out if it was like said out loud or not. Yeah. It's a trend. Yeah. Does she? Uh, does she like spam the comma? like uh no Cormac. she doesn't spam the comma it's just like kind of it there is no like there's punctuation that's like comma i guess maybe yeah i just opened up and there's lots of commas <laughs> no it's notice. there's just no proper like quoted dialogue unless you know there's no uh quotation marks anywhere okay but the substance trumps the punctuation in that case because oh, you yeah. liked it anyways oh yeah I mean, I, just, I like Cormac McCarthy too. I just think it's like a, it's like a, it's <laughs> like an affectation. Yeah, that's true. It's like yeah. So blindness, though, I don't. It's definitely not a book for everyone. <laughs> to be completely fair, mm -hmm. the hospital section drags for sure. But once they kind of journey out into the world, it picks up again. It's really engaging. But then, at the same time, it's engaging because there's a lot of gore and you know. There is a lot of disgusting shit in this book. Nice. Uh, but I did want to talk about. Do you re you remember like when we were kids? You go to the uh, Scholastic Book Fair and stuff like that, and absolutely, you'd you'd get a book that was based that like a movie was. Uh, you'd either get a book that be was a movie or like that became a movie, something mm -hmm. like Lord of the Rings, where it's one way around or there'd be the novelization of movies that are currently out like yeah <laughs> you'd get like the wild wild west like book you right, know right, yeah. like men in black book yeah and you know i i think looking back that always bothered me to have the book that uses like a still from the movie as the cover of the book oh dude absolutely i hate that 100 i would never have a lord <laughs> of the rings that had like vigo mortensen elijah cover. wood yeah, yeah yeah no 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 that, no. that was always a like a an off-putting kind of thing and by the way i respect both forms of the medium like i love lord of the rings the book and i think it's probably one of the best most epic book adaptations into a film like of all time like it's very well done not disrespecting it and i like both of them but yeah movie cover books is like ugh. yeah movie cover books suck yeah. So thankfully, like, I mean, this book is from 95 and the <laughs> the movie version, which I told you about, is from 2008. Right. And uh, I've heard, I've read a bunch of reviews and apparently the movie version sucked. <laughs> Damn. So it's got, it's got like Julianne Moore, right? Yeah. Julianne Moore, Mark Ruffalo. Which and, is funny. Uh, it's funny that it has Julianne Moore because isn't she also in Children of Men? I think so. And right? blind, yes. Blindness. Similar. Pillars. To me, the setting feels like almost like a children of men. You know, it's it, like no it, no one's been pregnant in years. You know, similar, like, yeah. yeah. 
so instead of reading a one star review of the book, I'm going to read a bad review of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So it's got a 44. What's your trusted like movie review site? Are you like a letterbox guy? I'm a letterbox guy. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, but I don't, I, I can confess I that I don't, one. I don't really have one though. I, yeah. I do. I appreciate that. I have, I know some people who do letterbox, which is like a noble cause, but the true review is once I see it. Yeah, I don't know much about it. I just know that it's a thing. And, and I'm like definitely a... addicted to like if some if something comes out and it's and it's like a lot of people think it sucks, then I want to see it. <laughs> okay. Not in like a this like a like the Marvel movie, like I decided that I didn't like this Batman flick or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't care about that. But like if if a movie comes out and there's like a bunch of people who hate it, then I'm sort of like into that. On Letterbox? On Letterbox specifically? Or no, like general? No, no, no. Just okay. in general. Just in general. Okay. So this one uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 44% critic score nice. and a 47% audience score, so slightly better. But uh, user Olaf says, worst movie of the year. And he says worse, not worst. As a sci-fi buff, I went into this film expecting a lot more than it delivered. Like other reviewers that hated this movie, I also admit that it starts great. Potentially gripping story begins... The potential to be up there with one of the best sci-fi movies ever, but instead of expanding, exploring, and developing the movie, breaks down on so many levels in front and behind the camera. It basically becomes cheap horror by doing what all low-budget films do to provide suspense, dumbing down all the protagonists and making the antagonists overly annoying and ingenious. This is all I will say about that. However, what really got me was the bad acting. Sorry, Julianne Moore carries this movie nowhere for me her supporting casts are non-actors or good actors with no screen time mark ruffalo is equally offbeat and annoying as her whiny husband the rest of the world gone blind selfish and stupid lumbering zombies becomes worse than sewer rats interesting <laughs> message but poor delivery damn one star <laughs> one star so well let me ask you this because you had been like partway through the book when you talked about it on the podcast and you knew about the movie, did you start like casting Mark Ruffalo in your mind or had no. it established? It it takes a certain book for me to do that, mm-hmm. but I definitely didn't do it with this one. I I don't think I pictured a Mark Ruffalo type though. Hmm. I think I think I I think. I, th- I think I was more influenced by the fact that Saramago is like a Portuguese author and I wasn't like viewing it as this like American story, like, you know, right. So that, that took me out of like the film adaptation uh, casting, you know? Right. And although it doesn't name where it is, like I was assuming he was, <laughs> his vision was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Something. Somewhere else. Something close to home. <laughs> yeah yeah cool but so yeah i did like it uh i've I've covered like quite a few (laughs) uh end of the world type stories must be your thing on the show i don't know like i i want to try uh all the different kinds like uh what's the one i read like a canticle for Leibowitz. that one was really super weird take on on dystopian novel i like that uh probably more than this one but um, yeah, no, it's still good though. I'd like to read uh, some of his other stuff. 
there's you don't really hear too much about like Portuguese authors, which is definitely interesting. Like, I think when I went to Portugal, it was like there's like yeah. one famous, there's a really famous like classic author, more classic than this, who's like, but his like one like famous thing is like he had an epic novel that he didn't finish. It's like, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's from from Portugal, died in Spain. Cool. Won the Nobel Prize for... There you go. Partly due to this novel. But yeah, I'll uh, I'll dig some more. Cool. His other book. That's that's the main one here. Balthazar. Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll look into <laughs> it later. <laughs> Balthazar. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's all I got for this one. I'm happy to. I, I like I like starting new books too. I don't know that that's another confession of mine. Like part of the joy of ditching a book is just getting something completely different. I yeah, don't know doing a new one. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. that one might be gold. Yeah. Well, if it's gold, it's just you know it goes absolutely crazy. Which yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. I'm I want I want that for this next week. I'm gonna shoot for that do it so i might have to try it like pick like two dozen books for <laughs> see how it goes <laughs> but yeah that's all i got uh thanks for listening everybody this has been another episode of shitty book reports you can find us on spotify soundcloud stitcher itunes instagram and twitter at sbr the podcast no spaces you can also email us sbr the podcast at gmail.com send us anything you got uh send us books to read <laughs> good ones books not to read yeah books not to read <laughs> yeah